Also, so today, this weekend, is a time in our church where we stop, and actually throughout our nation, to celebrate the sanctity of life. To understand and to look at God's word, it, it, what God's word says about the design of life and, and, and what that life means to him. And I'm going to take a little broader lens this year, and, and all, we're going to look at God's view from life from not only the unborn, but all through the stage of life. That God loves life in every stage, in every aspect, and we are called to do the same thing as his followers. But before we do, we're gonna pray and ask God to lead us before we turn to his word. So let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father, we come to you knowing that you are good and that you are perfect Father, and that you are the author and the perfecter of life. Father, we just ask you to speak truth to our lives. Father, that, that we can be attuned to what your word has to say about us, to us about this topic today. Father, we ask you to guide and lead us. It's in your son's Jesus' holy and precious name that we all pray together. Amen. All right, so take your Bibles and turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter one, we're gonna look at verses 26 to 28. Now as you're doing that, I wanna set a little context, right, because we're gonna pick up these verses right in the middle of the creation narrative, where God has just created the heavens and the earth, he's created the seas and the land, the, the, the birds, the fish, and then we find ourselves at verse 26. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds, over the heavens and every other living thing that moves on the earth. So we're gonna use this passage right here, these three verses, to uncover two theological points, right? That are gonna serve as the foundation for how we view life that God has created. The first one that we see in that passage is that God has made us in his image. We see right in the middle of this creation narrative that us as humans are different. We are, we see in verse 26, what does it say? It says, let us make man in our image, like us, male and female, he created them. So we see right here when he formed man and woman that we are different. We are different than everything else in all of creation that we are made in God's image. Now listen, Take a breath for a second, because I'm gonna say something that some of you are not going to like, okay? Your dog is not made in the image of God. Your horse is not made in the image of God. 
And I could be certain your cat is not made in the image of God. Now listen, I don't have anything against animals. They're cool. And I'll even admit for the first time in public that I like our dog, Minnie. She is great. And the reason I like her so much is she thinks I am the greatest thing that ever lived. And she likes when I sing to her, unlike you guys, right? But they're different. Now, your dog, I'm sure, is special to your family, as many as to ours. And your horse, and maybe even your cat is special in your family. But they're not made in God's image. They are different. We are made with, a, with a, a, a moral and a spiritual awareness about us, a, a, a connection with God, right? Do we know the difference between right and wrong? And there's this, this awareness. And I hate to be the one to tell you this, but your dog, when you're at work, is not laying around the house thinking about the afterlife or wondering if the rapture's gonna happen. They're not like that. Right? They're, they're simple creatures that operate off of this, this, these instinctive impulses that they have. Right? They don't have a soul. They don't have this moral and spiritual awareness about them. Now listen. Now they're not the only ones that operate off of instinctual, these spontaneous instincts, right? How many of you, when you think about it, had these crazy, insane thoughts come into your mind and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Am I the only one? Right, think about it, right? You're driving down 79, you gotta get somewhere, and someone's driving 40 miles in the fast lane, putting on their makeup, texting on their phone. Come on, something think, slip in your mind right there? Right, or being at a youth event, where, the, where the, uh, the coach is yelling at your kid nonstop and you just want to run out in the field and dump your Coke on your head. Right? We don't do that because we have the ability to, to control these impulses, these instincts that we have to want to respond to a situation. But you know who would do that? The dog and the cat, that's who would do that. I know they don't drive cars and drink Coke, but they, what do they do? They chase the squirrel out in front of traffic, don't they, without looking? They jump on a table and eat three pounds of chocolate in 30 seconds. Now, we want to jump on a table and eat the chocolate in 30 seconds, but that's the instinct that we control, isn't it? And that's what makes us different, is that awareness, that spiritual awareness, this, this sense of mor morality inside of us. Now, with your dogs or your cats, you can train them not to jump on the table, but that's different, right? They're, they're responding because they want to treat or because they've been taught something they don't want to be punished on the other end of it. They don't do it because they don't want to feel guilty. They don't do it that way. We respond and suppress these things because we have this connection with God, right? This awareness that we have, and when these thoughts come zipping through our mind, we're able to say, hold on a second. And it's this spiritual awareness that we have, this connection that we have, that makes us suppress those instincts. And it's the ability to do that, which is exactly what makes us human. 
right? That we are made in the image of God. Amago Dei, we're his image bearers. And because we are that, we are the crown jewel of his creation. You and me, the crown jewel of what God has created. So right, that's a first theological truth that we find in this passage, that we are made in the image of God. All right, second thing we see in this passage is that God has given us dominion over his creation. And we see the word dominion two times in this text. And what that means is like a a supreme authority that we created in God's image have authority over all of life. It's our responsibility to protect it, to love life, to nourish it. That's our responsibility when he says you have dominion over it. And even when he had his, his, the Israelites um, back in the Old Testament, they were God's chosen people. He even gave them rules. In Leviticus, there's like 613 of them, I think, in Leviticus. And two of them, when we look at it, in 24, 17, and 18 says, whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good life for life. See, we are supposed to protect life, to care for life, to nurture life at every level from human beings all the way down. And this is why that those people who are cruel to animals are out of step with God's design. This is certainly why those that provide, promote, encourage, and get and perform abortions are certainly out of step with God's design. Particularly when you look at the human being and how intricately involved God is in our makeup, in our creation. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. We're gonna look at verses 13 and 16. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now listen, this verse, these three verses, four verses here, puts God intimately involved in the creation of you inside of your mother's womb. Inside of your mother's womb. Now, now we know the biology that's behind that, right? It's the sperm and the egg, and the sperm fertilizes the egg, and the child grows, right? We're not trying to catch a glimpse of God's hands on the sonogram when we get the sonogram done. This is talking about what's going on behind the biology, right? That God is intimately involved. That as Ron said last week, that he has taken you, he has formed you with the specific gifts that he wants you to have, Right, he's your laugh, 
your personality, your heart for other people, your mind towards leadership, your love of worship. He's put all that package together before, what does it say? Before any one of your days ever came to be. And he has given us life, breathed into our lungs. And has given us work and created us specifically for the work in which he has to do from the moment we take our first breath. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps. That gives me goosebumps. And what God has created, what God has so intimately put together, we should not destroy. So let that sink in for a minute. Two theological truths right from God's word. That we are made in the image of God. The masterpiece of creation. Made in his image. Intricately by him in a special package that he gives us. A one and only. And he has given us dominion over the life that he has created. Our responsibility to care for life at each and every stage and love life in each and every stage from womb to tomb. This is what we are called to be. This is our responsibility. So the question is, is how do we respond to this? In my hope, in my prayer for us as a church, is that we are a life-giving community of believers that loves the life that God's granted to us, loves the breath that God's given to us on this earth, and protects the lives in which God has entrusted to us. Right, that our desire is that we are a church that unapologetically proclaims life, that God values life in every stage. No matter what country they live in, no matter what color they are, no matter whether they have cancer or not, no matter they have special needs or not, that God loves and values every single those, one of those lives exactly the same. So what I wanna do is give us two practical ways on how we can respond to the life that God has given to us and the responsibility that God given to us to have dominion over the life that he's created. And the first one is that I believe that we have to passionately fight for the lives and rights of the vulnerable. We have to passionately fight for the lives and rights of the vulnerable. Now there are vulnerable people all over this world. All around us are vulnerable people, but I wanna talk specifically about two groups, two groups of people. Those with special needs and those young children that find themselves abandoned and unwanted in very unhealthy family situations. All right, so first, those with special needs. And I'm not talking about only children here, I'm talking about adults. Because even in today's world, 
with all the ADA compliance and everything that we have, we still see and sense that those with special needs, that the needs they have go unmet, particularly in church circles. And I think one of the biggest travities that exist today, the biggest distortion of truth happens inside the church where people take scripture and twist it and tell these families that have children with special needs that if only they had enough faith, their child would be healed of Tourette's or of autism or Down syndrome or worse yet, that they get told that the reason that they have these special needs is because of some sin issue in their life or in the family's lives. That is untrue, unbiblical. Every single human being, including those with special needs, are created in God's image for his design purpose. Every one of them. And it's our job as a church to come alongside of them and to minister to them and to care for them and to love them the way that God has created them. You know, when you get a chance to interact with these families, you know the place that they feel the most unwelcome is? The church. We have families that attend here now that have been asked not to come back to other churches. See, that's not us. We want to welcome them and their families, to care for them, to love on them, to nurture them, and not just to watch them, but to speak truth into their lives, that God's made them for a purpose and has a divine plan for them, just like everyone else sitting here. And that they understand they grasp with the fact that they aren't, they aren't defined by these needs that they have. That they are individuals created in God's image and, and we're to help them come along and, I, and help them understand that their identity is in Christ and not these needs. And you know what I love is that you guys are doing that already. That through your generosity that we have an amazing special needs ministry here. And here in the South Hills, we have a, a whole area dedicated that has special equipment, even has a therapy dog and special programs that we can not only watch the children, but that we can speak truth into their lives, teach them God's word. Think about that. We just launched our adult portion of our special needs ministry and for the first time last week, we had adults with special needs inside of our worship service, several of them hearing God's truth for the very first times in their lives. And you guys are doing that. And it goes beyond just Sunday morning. The, this ministry and these dedicated people, they host respites for these families so that their child or adult can come and again be ministered to while the family can be free to go at home and clean the house or do a project or, or go shopping or, or, or just go on a date night by themselves. And you guys are doing that. 
And we want to open our church doors, open our hearts, and welcome them in. And the, one of the biggest ways we do that, as you saw in the video before, is through the best night of the year here, which is Night to Shine. And you guys aren't involved in this. You are missing out. This is a night where those with special need, last year, we had people between the ages of 14 and 80 come. And they get to be crowned king and queen. And they get to sing karaoke. And they get to eat dinner and build friendships. And if they're really lucky, they get to dance with me. <laughs> it's not a pretty sight, I trust you. But guys, there's a way for you to get involved. We have a need right now for buddies to come alongside with the guest and spend one-on-one -on -one time with them for that evening. And some meaningful long-term long relationships have been built. Right? You gotta get involved. You need to sign up at biblechapel.org. There's a training next week. Don't miss out. You guys are doing great things in this area. But there's much more to do. Do we want to continue to minister and let this whole community of families which go unserved and underserved, we want to open our arms and open our hearts and remind them and tell them that Jesus loves them just the way they were created. Amen? The other um, uh, part of the uh, vulnerable people that I want to talk about are these abandoned and orphaned and endangered children. And you guys, again, are involved in this. We think about internationally, in Panama, we, 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 through your generosity, we had created a home and, and taken many boys and girls and, 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 and shown them the love of Christ, provided for them physically, spiritually, emotionally. And now they've transitioned. Get this, it works. Is now each of these children are in homes, loving Christian homes, being modeled, what a husband looks like, a wife looks like, their education's being provided for, their physical needs are being provided for, and they're learning God's word. You've done that. In Kenya, through your generosity, we have 600 children in school that are learning God's word, that are learning English, and they're becoming healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually, and we're investing in them so they can break this poverty cycle that their family finds themselves in to have a hope outside of the slums of Mathari, Kenya. In Thailand, you guys are investing in the lives of 26 females that are being protected from human trafficking and sex trafficking. And even here in our own backyard, God has given us an opportunity to speak into and to protect the lives of those children which are vulnerable. Get this, in Washington County alone, 350 kids are adjudicated, which means they're pulled out of unsafe family situations. And they need somewhere to go to be safe. There's thousands in the system. Do you think we may play a part in that? opening up our homes with our empty beds in our hearts, being have a chance, even if it's a small window, to speak truth into that child's life? 
that's what our Embrace Foster Care and Adoption Ministry does. And we have a training, actually, February 17th, that if God's tugging on your heart or you just want to know more, to come learn about it. Maybe God's not calling you to have a child in your home. That's okay, we're all different. But there's many of opportunities that come alongside of those who do feel that calling to support them. It could be anything using your gift of hospitality to bring meals, your gift of administration to order and sort clothes, your gift of mercy to go collect the clothes. Remember Ron reminded us we all have these unique gifts, whether it's leadership, mercy, intercession, to come alongside and help those that feel this calling to be hands-on to protect the lives of these vulnerable children that are right here in our backyard. Right, so that's the first thing that we can do is to be engaged. You wanna be involved in the foster care and adoption ministry, go online at biblechapel.org and get involved. All right, so that's the first way, right, is fighting for the lives and the rights of the vulnerable. The second group that we wanna talk about tonight is fighting for the rights and the lives of those that are voiceless. And the most obvious group of voiceless people are those unborn babies. Now we know, we don't guess, we know through science and through technology that a baby at eight weeks old recoils from pain. That at eight weeks old, all the organs are present and functioning. That at eight weeks old, it has a unique fingerprint. At eight weeks old, it has its unique DNA. Eight weeks old. We know this. Science teaches us this but yet we continue to allow for their destruction. And most of the time, it's out of convenience for the parents because they're not ready to be parents or afford the child. And this saddens me. And it's against God's design for life. Get this, in Pennsylvania, in more than 30 other states that if a pregnant woman was driving to get an abortion and a reckless driver crashed into her and killed her and her unborn child, they would be charged with two counts of homicide. One for the mother and one for the baby. But yet, if she made it to the abortion clinic, and that provider was able to carry out the abortion, he would do so, or she would do so legally under the guise of Roe versus Wade in 1973. And I'm here to tell you, I was born in 1967. My mother was an only child of Italian immigrants, and she got pregnant with me out of wedlock. Who knows what would have happened after 1973. But I can tell you, is 60 million people, 
60 million lives since that time weren't so lucky. And this blows my mind that these things so contradictory (laughs) coexist in our society. Now, for many who are on the other side of the argument will say, well, it's my body. I don't want anyone telling me what to do with my body. Well, I would say if there's already laws in place which tell you what you can't do some things with your body, try to head down to Disney World in Florida or downtown in Grant Street in Pittsburgh and try to prostitute yourself and see if the police would have something to say about that. But even take that one step further, okay? You have a voice to protect your body. Just as we discussed, that's a body inside of you at eight weeks. Who's gonna be the voice of that body? Who's responsible for protecting its life while you wanna protect yours? Well, God's word as we saw today, it's our responsibility to fight for the life of that voiceless child. We are to have dominion over life. We are to protect the life that God has created. It's our responsibility given to us by God, the one who hung the stars in the skies. And to be part of this battle, we have a significant relationship with Human Coalition. And what we love about Human Coalition is they are on the front line battles, and they have targeted the most abortion-determined women. The hardest cases there are. These women have already made up their mind, this is a mistake, and I am going to take care of it. And Human Coalition goes right after them. And to help them in this battle, listen to what you guys have done. Number one, you have provided $50,000 to go towards purchasing a mobile clinic. It's out here in our South Hills in our parking lot. And they'd love to show you what God's doing through it right out those doors. Get this, 300 babies have been saved through that clinic. 300. Three hundred lives that God's created, mostly coming from the stops in in Southside and in Wilkinsburg. You guys have done that. We also provided, through your generosity, $75,000 to buy a 4D ultrasound machine, right, that makes these images so real that a parent, a mother or father, can't look at that image and say, that's not a baby's body, right? It's not a blob of cells, people. And the impact on these mothers and fathers is profound, and your generosity provided for that. Many of you come alongside these young girls and these young guys as they're going through this heavy decision counseling them, praying for them, walking alongside of them. Many of you participate in a baby bottle campaign and it's still available at all of our campuses. Grab a bottle, your loose change, your checks, your dollars. There's the biggest fundraiser they do. Last year as a church, we raised $23,000 on their behalf. And let's blow that away this year. On Friday, we sent two buses to Washington, D.C., 
And those people got off those bus with tens of thousands of other people and marched up Capitol Hill to look our government in the eye and say, this insanity has to stop. It is against God's design for life. We're not gonna stop until these laws are changed. But we have to be involved. And listen to me. We can't, we can't, just be people, a body of believers that screams that abortion is wrong, that it's a sin. We also have to stand on this side of it. First, we've got to stand alongside of those people that have went through that painful process in those difficult circumstances and open our hearts and our arms and our minds and be a church and a body of people that loves on them that prays for them, that this could be a place of healing and they can understand that God forgives them for that mistake. And they could do that here. You could do that at the Human Coalition. And also, we have committed $150,000 for the Continuum of Care program at Human Coalition. And what that program does is walks alongside these young mothers and fathers to teach them how to cherish and how to nourish and how to love that life that God has entrusted to them. You guys are doing that. And there's so much more to do. And listen to me, many of you have been believers for a long time. We can't get numb on this fight. We can't give up. The battle is not lost. Our God is bigger than abortion laws. Our God is in control, just as God was bigger than slavery. But God wants us to have dominion over life, and to speak into these matters, to protect and to nourish and to fight. We've gotta be involved. And we have each been given gifts to take part. Right, you don't just have to love babies to do this. You can have a gift of leadership to get involved. You can have, you could be a lawyer and use your lawyering skills, right, to, to help close down the abortion clinics. You, should, you can have the gift of intercession and pray over these young girls as they're making these decisions. There's a place for you in this battle. You just have to find it. I'm gonna ask you guys to close your eyes as we close. And let that truth sink in. That we are made in God's image. The crown jewel of his creation. And he has given us life. He has breathed that life into our lungs. And that out of response for what he's done for us, that we would use our gifting and use what he's entrusted to us to fight for the rights and the lives of the unborn, for the voiceless, for the vulnerable. That we would love the life that God's been given. And that we would have dominion over life. That we would love life. We would protect life. And that we would fight for life every stage, in every age, 
womb to tomb. Now what you're gonna hear in just a minute is the sound of metal BBs dropping into a tin can. Each BB represents 10,000 lives. And this is what is going on in our country that we are so privileged to live in and that we so much love. The American Revolution. The Civil War. World War One. World War Two. The Korean Conflict. The Conflict in Vietnam. September 11th and the War on Terror. Since 1973, the War We started our time together by celebrating what Jesus did for us. That not only do we have life today and have it full through him, but that we have eternity promised with him as well. And I exhort you, out of appreciation for what Jesus has done for us, that we would use the gifting, the skills, the passion, and the resources in which he's entrusted to us to fight with everything we have for those lives that are voiceless and for those lives that are vulnerable. Our God is bigger than that. And God is choosing to give us dominion over all of life and has provided everything that we need to take care of it. We can't sit idly by. We have to graciously and compassionately fight for the vulnerable and fight for the voiceless. Amen. I'm gonna ask the pastoral staff and elders that are in the service to come down front. Guys, we would love to pray with you and for you about anything going on in your life. If you wanna know more about the resources that are available, if you've had an abortion and the healing that comes for that, come down and talk to one of us. There's no shame down here. There's nothing but healing. 
Father, we thank you for our time today. We thank you for the truth that your word gives us. Father, we thank you for the gifting, the breath in our lungs, the very life that you give us so that we can fight for the defenseless, the vulnerable, and the voiceless. Father, empower us as we go through the Holy Spirit doing what you've asked us to do. Thank you for that privilege. And we go in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.